Welcome to the Straight Red Podcast. The football show made by the common man for the common man. For the common man. With weekly guests, your host, Josh Lipshot, will break down the big issues. Let's get to it. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Straight Red Pod, the show bringing you spicy takes worthy of a straight red. I'm your host, Josh Lipshot, and we have a really interesting episode in store tonight with a friend of the pod joining me in Julian Newman. Jules, how are you going? How are you going? It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. It's been um, a long time coming, I'd say. You were, we had a stop-start a couple of weeks back. You were meant to come on, but we're, we're ill. Yeah, I, I fell victim to the common cold. Uh, it mm. gets the best of us, but I'm fully recovered, That's and good, yeah. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Excellent, excellent. And I've been wanting to have you specifically on for a few weeks now to give um, a more foreign uh, affair outlook to, to the pod in general. Often we do speak about the Premier League a lot, but for our viewers, for our listeners, for anyone who's tuning in tonight, um, we are going to be talking about all things Bundesliga, um, the German yes. National League. Um, and it's going to be a really exciting pod. Jules is uh, an expert, I'd say, or close. He definitely knows <laughs> a lot more than I do. Um, not, not quite an expert, but yeah, definitely an enthusiast, um, for good or for worse. Definitely. And we love, we're all about balance here on the pod. We love just bringing, you know, a little something, something else, something extra. Um, you know, it's nice to take a break from the, from the prem occasionally. And, um, I'm stoked to have you here. Glad to be here. Cool. So we'll jump straight in. Um, as always, I like asking my guests one quick question to introduce themselves. The one that I've got for you today is what would be your worst moment you've ever experienced as a football fan and take that in any way that you will, you know, as a, as a player, as a, you know, a supporter of, of Hertha as you are or, or in any way you wish. Yeah, I, I think for me the worst footballing moment in my life is when I realised that I just wasn't particularly good and that to get better you have to put in quite a lot of effort. So, you know, when, you, when you're playing under 10s, you're like, oh, I reckon I could maybe be a Premier League player and yeah. then everyone grows a little bit and tries a little bit harder and, and I think that realisation hit me yeah that was that was pretty rough that's probably the worst it's footballing hard. moment in my life and then you know you're playing all positions on the ground you're throwing uh, yeah. back just not working not happening and you have one good game at right back and you think I'm, I'm a savant I'm the next big thing and then you just have 10 games where you just get run all over the pitch so that that's my worst footballing or you have one good game right back and you think, I'm a right back. Like, yeah, forever. Like, like that's it. I think, yeah. have you, did you ever play keeper like at one point and you had like one amazing afternoon or one outing where you just had a, a blinder as a keeper? I actually, I never did. And it's one of my biggest regrets in football because I think, uh, I think I would have really liked it. And I think it's very character building. Yeah. Um, but no, I never did. Who knows? Being, Maybe I'll make a return. Being a keeper is quite humbling in general. Like I, I had one of those, uh, I remember, I don't know why it sticks out to me, but when I was 17 or 18, I just, I was playing soccer on my gap year and was, was just had the, the afternoon of my life. Like I thought I was literally <laughs> the next like Petr Cech. And I was like, I think I could be a goalkeeper. And then just tried ever since and realized I'm, I'm just not that good with my hands as I am with my feet in general. It, it takes, I reckon being a goalkeeper is 70% just bravery. Yeah. And, and just go, you know, not really throwing caution to the wind and just going at the ball. And that, that's the thing that I would struggle with. From technique, I reckon I could get there, but the bravery I'd really struggle with. Yeah. And it's like a no fault position in, in general. Oh, like sometimes it's like, if, even if there's nothing you could have done about the shot, like if it, you know, if it's an absolute belter and it's flying in any way, 
you can still look like a complete moron. Like <laughs> oh yeah, completely punishing. Flying, Not worth it. Flapping at the ball like <laughs> Not worth it. So yeah, I'll stick to the bench. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think my my worst football memory. I'm trying to think, but I actually mentioned this on the pod a few weeks ago. But I I flew to Sydney earlier this year to watch the Socceroos lose two nil. Um, to Japan and it was pissing down with rain yeah, it's and brutal. it was horrible and it, uh, and that was also the game that sent us to like the intercontinental playoffs and it was uh, just yeah. not a vibe and then the game <laughs> finished and I realised I was so far from my bed like uh, it was and there were so many things that needed to happen before I got into bed um, back to my bed and I was you flew raining. home that night no no I was oh, just miserable because okay. Australia was, was at, at the time I thought we weren't going to qualify for the World Cup and yeah it was just a really horrible evening and I was in a different city and no good. Yeah, I, th- I feel like you can you can put up with rain with a good footballing result, but when you lose the game, the rain is very apparent. Horrible. It, yeah, it really dampens the mood. Horrible. Um, anyway, we'll get uh, stuck into some Bundesliga chat. Yes. Um, so first question I sort of had for you, it's not really a question. I, I'd love you to talk me through how... You became a Hertha fan and a Bundesliga fan in general. Mm, yeah, so um, so I grew up watching football, but uh, for many years I really didn't engage with football uh, at all. And then a few years ago, I started to kind of refine my love for it. And um, I'm also an Arsenal supporter, so I would watch a lot of Arsenal. And I realized that I was enjoying football so much, I wanted to kind of explore other leagues. Um, my family is originally from Germany. So I thought maybe I should get into the Bundesliga and I was looking through the teams and my family are from Berlin and I thought to myself, you know, it makes sense to support a Berlin team. There are two Berlin teams in the Bundesliga Union at the moment. Yeah, Union Berlin and they're oh. much better than us. Yeah, you got to say, say it. Got, I'm yeah, sorry. You got to say it right. You got to say I'm it right. sorry if I, on this, if, I'm, <laughs> if I offend anyone who is a fan of the, the German Bundesliga, I'm really sorry. But Yeah, of, no, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Thank you. Um, and I just kind of thought between the two, I'm going to support Hertha for no particular reason. A few weeks later, I'm chatting to my dad and I'm telling him about these games I've been watching. And he, he said that, uh, his father, um, who I unfortunately never met actually when he, he was a young boy supported Hertha when he was still in Berlin wow. before they moved to Australia. So, um, it was this beautiful moment, um, where just by chance I ended up supporting the team that my grandfather used to support. And so after that, it kind of just felt like it was fate. And yeah, I just really dived into it. And I'm not going to say it's been enjoyable. Um, <laughs> I think we'll get into why. Hertz yeah. is not a great team uh, at the moment. But um, I mean, I think just connecting with, with a sport is beautiful. And then connecting with my heritage at the same time has been, yeah, quite special. That is awesome. Really awesome. And it's so interesting, like you say, that you have that sort of connection. Like as a primarily fan or as a primary fan of the Premier League, like I, I've always wanted to support like the German leagues and the Spanish leagues and yeah, the French leagues, Italian leagues sort of thing, Syria. But like, obviously you, you never quite know who to go for because you don't really have like a, a connection. You just, it feels like you're just picking them arbitrarily. So it's nice when you have, um, when you have a, a team you actually have a, a sort of connection to. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And since then, I've kind of thought it would be fun if I had a team in every league and it's not sustainable. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'd say I'm a backseat supporter of Real Betis in La Liga. Oh, my God. But, uh, you know, it's a very – I say supporter very loosely. It's, you know, it's a lot of investment to support a football team um, and uh, supporting Arsenal obviously being as big a team as it is 
is, you know, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. And then hurts up being as bad as we are also takes a lot of effort and time for a different reason. So, would yeah, you say, I, I can't support anyone it, else. Would you say in your experience overall it's been more painful being a Hertha fan or an Arsenal fan? It's probably been more painful being an Arsenal fan because there's expectation yeah. that we should... Okay, say, take last season, we should have finished top four. We didn't. That hurts a lot more. For Hertha, it's just kind of been bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for those who don't know, Hertha was in the third... Um, came third last last season in the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga works a little bit differently whereas in the Premier League it's three up three down the Bundesliga is two down and the third last goes into a playoff with the person with the club who came third in twice the Bundesliga the second division um, and we ended up having a playoff against Hamburg who have been stuck in the twice the Bundesliga former champions as well former champions yeah they can't get up it's been I think it's been about four or five years now and um, we narrowly won to stay up. So um, that, you know, that was a big moment, but I'd say generally it's a bit more tumultuous being an Arsenal fan. What, and just leading on from that as well, we'll obviously get into what happened last season and what's happened in the first few games of this season, but had Hertha had gone down last season, what would that have meant to the club? What would, have, what would, have the, would it have been shock, surprise? Would there have been expectation that they bounced straight up the next season as there is sort of in the Premier League and Championship, that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say it would have been a shock. I think it was probably deserved. Um, we didn't need to get into that play. It's called the rele- Relegation, I, I believe. No, it's not. It's called something. It's just, yeah. it's just skipped my mind. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't need to be there. Uh, we pretty much lost a game that would have guaranteed our safety. And then Stuttgart got a great result. And, and that secured them as fourth last. So it wouldn't have been a surprise. But um, the expectation to bounce back... It doesn't exist in the Twice of Bundesliga. It's an extremely competitive league. Um, you know, last season we had Werder Bremen and Schalke come up, but they had been stuck there. You know, two massive clubs yeah. in German football, and they were stuck there for years. Hamburg, a massive club, stuck there for years. They still can't get out. Um, if, you know, if you look at the ladder on any given day, there's probably about seven teams that are one to two games away from getting into the top two, three That's spots. That's what I always thought as well. It was always sort of like Bayern and then dormant, and then everyone else was just sort of on this level of par field. Yeah, yeah, it gets pretty hectic after those two. Um, I think with the um, resurgence of RB Leipzig, I shouldn't say resurgence, I mean the creation really, (laughs) because they didn't exist uh, 15 years ago. Um, They've made it a little bit more competitive. Um, You've had Frankfurt find some international success. So, you know, the... I know the whole Bayern thing comes up a lot when you talk about the Bundesliga. It's devastating. I wish the DFB, the German Football Association, would do something about it. I'm not sure what they can do. Yeah. But, um, you know, outside of Bayern, uh, it is actually a very competitive league. Um, it might sound redundant because Bayern is so dominant. But, but the, the quality of those teams that are not Bayern or, or Dortmund is very strong. Like last season, the Europa League champions. Mm. Gladbach. So, like... It's, it's, it's really, really, really strong. And you see they, they're continually doing well in the Champions League. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just off the top of my head, there are so many teams in the, in the middle of the table, I guess. I'm actually curious now. I'm going to check. But I think it's important to remember that Germany is the most populous country in Europe. And they have one of the more, most robust um, scouting yeah. systems and youth club systems, development systems. So... I don't think it's surprising that there is a lot of quality in the Bundesliga. Um, when you look at all the stars now that got their start in the Bundesliga, I mean... So many. Dime a dozen. So, 
Um, yeah, the quality is really high. Um, it doesn't compare to the Premier League uh, just because the money isn't there. Um, so they, they'll pretty much buy anyone who gets too good. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting for Christopher and Kunku to make it over to the Premier League. Oh my God. I can't he's believe been, he's still there. He's been linked for ages. Oh, ages. ages. Is it? And he starts the French national team. He'll probably start up. Well, I don't Should. know if he'll start for them at the World Cup, but he'll, he'll definitely be in the squad. And yeah, I would he, say He'd be vying uh, for Mbappe's position. Well, that's he? the thing. He's so that, yeah, so he probably him, so. Yeah, but I mean, he's phenomenal. Uh, his contract, they must have made a very favorable contract to keep him locked down. Um, but I'm sure he'll leave in the next year or two yeah. and go over to the Prem, if not La Liga. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. Um, so back to Hertha. So obviously last season narrowly escaped relegation. Mm. How have the first few games this season gone? Yeah, so um, not particularly <laughs> well. So uh, the DFB Pokal, which is um, the FA Cup the, equivalent, the FA Cup equivalent uh, we lost to, I believe, a third division team. I can't remember their name. Yeah. Uh, forgive me, but something long and hard to pronounce. I'm sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Every German football club. Um, so the way that the DFB Pokal differs from the FA Cup, if you're in the FA Cup and you're, I believe, a Champions League team, you go directly into the third round. I believe if you're a non or, or, or perhaps a European playing side, you go into the third round. If not, you go into the second. But the DFB Pokal, everyone starts from round one. Okay. So um, I think it's a better competition because you you tend to see these types of results quite often. Uh, although it sounds odd, it's actually not that surprising that, um, you know, a really great club in the Bundesliga will lose to an average club in twice the Bundesliga. Yeah. Um, that's what happened to us. It, it's obviously disappointing. It's not unprecedented. But, yeah, I think, you know, with the state of the club the way it is, we really need to go deep into these cup competitions to get some sort of happiness. Yeah. And um, we didn't. So that's a shame. Well, that's the thing. It's like, like clubs like her are not playing in as many competitions as mm. uh, you know, the Bayern Dortmunds of this world. They're playing usually in uh, in the Pokal, in the league, in um, Europe as well. So once like you're out of the cup competition, it's like, mm. that's it. It's a league. You know? Yeah, which has its ups and downs, I guess, but mostly it's downs. You know, you always want to go deep in these in these things. Yeah. Then opening uh, game of the season was a derby with Union Berlin. I don't know why you start a season on a derby. It seems like Crazy. a completely ridiculous idea, but they pumped us 3-1. And then we've lost every game until last night where oh we beat God. FC Augsburg uh, 2-0. Congrats. Which was on the win, phenomenal. Finally. Yeah, it was it was a really good result and much, much needed. Um, we have been playing comparatively to last season, really good football. I think it's uh, it's incredible we haven't won a game sooner. We have Luca Bacchio back in the team. He's uh, playing on our wing. He's an incredible playmaker. He's had a lot of pace, a lot of tenacity to the team. Um We've been creating a lot more chances. We've been keeping possession a lot more effectively. So, yeah, I've been surprised with our results. But generally, even watching the losing games, it's been a lot more enjoyable than last season. Frustrating, but it's a long. It is the start as well, you know. Yeah, but but at least you know, at least our pass accuracy is up. You know, it's stuff like that. It's small, but it makes a difference. And I'm not surprised we won last night. We we tend to have a good record against Augsburg, and I. I think we won't finish in the relegation zone this season. Say that, yeah. That, that's what I'm going for. Just seeing how the team's kind of gelling together, um, I think everything's looking a lot more positive. You might not be able to answer this, but do you have many players who are internationals for the country? Because I think the World Cup is going to have a big effect on this season. Players are effectively taking uh, you know, a month away from their clubs. Some players mm. are going to be going off 
um, overseas, flying, uh, training, playing in a separate competition and coming back and have to reintegrate back into the squad. And I can't help with, and I've said this before about the Premier League, but I can't help but think that the big clubs like, you know, Dortmund and Bayern, et cetera, are going to be more affected by it. Not that you're mm. in the same stratosphere as them, but yeah, it's just an interesting one. Like what the World Cup is going to do to this season and in the Premier League, and it's no different, I'm sure, in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. We don't have a lot of internationals. Um, uh, one of our defenders. They're probably mostly German. A lot of Germans um, or, you know, countries adjacent to Germany. Um, but uh, Boyada, our central defender who starts for Belgium, he's now gone. So, uh, you know, he was our kind of, he was our captain and a notable international player. Um, but no, mostly we don't have international players. I was actually, I was thinking to skip over to the Premier League quickly. Uh, Haaland not being in the World Cup is big for Man City because, yeah. you know, he was injury prone last season. I think having that six weeks off is going to do wonders for him. Yeah. Um, and it's actually, it's extremely scary. scary. It's scary. But, <laughs> scary. but yeah, we don't have a lot of international players, which is a blessing for a team as fragile as ours. We really need to have players healthy. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And is Sandra Schwartz, am I saying that correctly? Schwartz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he the right man for the job, do you think? How long has he been manager for? Uh, just this season oh, so far. Okay. Yeah, so um, we had the Watford treatment for a while, you know, new manager every week. So uh, there was a point at the end of last season where I had no idea who our manager was because I just couldn't be bothered looking them up. Yeah. And then we'd get in these managers who might have had success 10 years ago, but, you know, didn't have a coaching role for eight seasons. Yeah. And for some reason we were thinking, this is our guy. This is the guy for the job. Um we had a coach, a few coaches ago named Pal Dardai, club legend, played in midfield for us, beloved by the fans. He saved us from relegation a few times, but, you know, since moving on from him, trying to get up the ladder, um, yeah, it's just been, a, you know, constant changing of managers. Um, this bloke, I don't know much about him. He's definitely, uh, you know, he's been coaching recently. He was in yeah. Dynamo Moscow and mine's before that, which is good. Yeah. Um, We'll see. I think he's got us playing the best football we've played in, you know, one, two seasons. So it's nice to see. I think, you know, I think he can, I guess when you're a club like Herzer, the standard isn't particularly high, right? Yeah. If you, if we can finish 16th, that's a massive success. As my next question was, what would constitute a good season for Herzer like this? Uh, escaping relegation? Is that? Escaping relegation comfortably. I would say by six. 10 points, you yeah, know. you don't want to be breathing down. Here. Yeah, we don't want the last five games of the season to be stressful. stressful again. I think that would be really good. Kind of find our feet again, financially feel a bit more secure, and then, yeah, take it away from there and, and try and work our way up. Yeah. Well, really interesting about uh, Hertha. I want to move on to the Bundesliga more broadly, I'd say. Hmm. Uh, and do you want to talk our listeners through, I guess, what the ownership model and structuring is in the Bundesliga, which is probably the key difference, I'd say, between, apart from, you know, technically how the players play and the clubs and everything, but that's the big thing um, that I think differentiates the league from the Premier League. Um, so go, go for yeah. it. Yeah. So I, I also don't know that much about it. Yeah, so um, post-World War II, uh, a lot of German companies, not just Bundesliga teams, um, switched over to something called the 50 plus one model. Uh, it just so happens that almost every professional football team abides by this model. And the 50 plus one means that all clubs are 51% owned by members. Um, so if you're Hertha Berlin and you're a member, you have uh, one membership equals one vote and you can vote on a range of matters 
pertaining to the club. And that's really powerful because it means that clubs, first of all, fans feel like they have a lot more ownership over their club, but it also means that clubs can't do crazy things like sell all their shares to Saudi Royals, like Newcastle have yeah. done, uh, you know, for 300 million. Uh, sorry, now that what are they worth? 300 it's, it's, billion it's dollars or something? It's insane amount of money. It actually doesn't even matter. It's just, it's, it's insane. Yeah, so say yeah. Hertha wanted to do that, you know, it's likely that the members would vote against that. So, um, so there's a lot more ownership from the members. Uh, I think it means that the game stays a little bit more pure. Um, it, but also it means it's less commercialized. So there's less money in the sport, which means, you know, you don't have uh, the same spending on players. Clubs probably won't reach the same heights. Bayern's unique because their international appeal is so massive that they, mm. you know, they have access to revenue pools. They're that, literally a brand. That's a dome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of vaguely the, the structure of most clubs. Um, and it makes it unique. Yeah. And also coming back to your uh, Leipzig point from earlier. Mm. Red Bull Leipzig, how did that come about? Like, yeah. Why, why were they created like that? Like, yeah, so the 50 plus one rule can be subverted if the members voted to lose their membership power. Um, obviously, no members would ever do that. So Red Bull, when they were building their network of teams, they went to the Bundesliga, or, or I should say they went to the DFB, the German Football Association, and they said, we want to create a team, we want to call it Red Bull, this is the branding, and they said absolutely not, and they rejected them. And I think they rejected them a few times. So they went back and they brainstormed and they said, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to buy a fifth or sixth division team, total nobody, bought the club. I think they maybe had a couple hundred people rock up to their games at that point, um, but it was a team from Leipzig. Leipzig didn't have a professional football team of really any stature at that yeah. point. And, uh, and they bought the club. I think it's... Uh, RB doesn't stand for Red Bull. I think it stands for Russ and Ball Sport, yeah. which is oh, kind right. of a nonsense term. It, do, it, it doesn't really translate well, but it essentially means grass ball sport or some, something like that. Yeah. Um, and they slapped on their branding because, you know, they weren't allowed to call it Red Bull. So it's RB, Russ and Ball Sport, Leipzig. And, and they, over the course of, I believe, eight to ten seasons, worked their way up from fifth, sixth, sixth division up to the Bundesliga. They're one of the best teams at the moment. Yeah, they are fantastic and credit to them, but they are despised by almost every Bundesliga team because they've, you know, depends who you speak to, you know, people from Freiburg are going to be a lot more passionate about it than, say, people from Hertha, but um, they've just taken the ownership model, they've disregarded it, they're totally commercialised. Um, it kind of creates what a lot of Bundesliga fans see as unfair competition. Um, and, yeah... I, it's sad. I think there's there's a lot of but nuance. A Red, Bull, a Red Bull pumping money into the club in yes. a way that like other other clubs in the league cannot get access to funds like that just because they're not or they can't be owned because of the fifty plus one rule. Like yeah, it's like, they are, but also it's the it's the network. So yeah. the Red Bull network, you know, Salzburg, New yeah. York, you know, no other club can really do that because well, that wouldn't be allowed. I mean, technically it could, but members would probably vote against it because yeah. that would see, be seen as diluting the, you know, the purity of the club. Um, but they can do all that stuff. Um, which, you know, it, I think it's a shame, but I think it's also important to recognise that um, when the Berlin Wall came down and East and West Germany reunified, uh, no club from East Germany was in the Bundesliga for many, many years Incredible. because they were just financially devastated. 
And there really wasn't a concerted effort from West German Bundesliga clubs to put money into East German football and to bring up these teams. It was two societies, literally. It It was was two societies. So, you know, I I understand from Leipzig's perspective when they say, well, you know, you bought all our players, you pushed us down to the lower league, so this is our revenge. We want to come back and we're going to be a big club. I do appreciate it. I think there's two sides to the story, but... Yeah, generally speaking, I'm against the Leipzig ownership structure. Is there still a division between East and West clubs within the Bundesliga? Extremely, yeah, extremely divided. So at the moment, it's just Leipzig and Union Berlin, who yeah. are East German. Everyone else is West German. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, I don't believe that really any of the clubs in Zweisse Bundesliga that are East German are pushing for Bundesliga promotion. Yeah. So the divide is still there. Union is a complete unicorn, what they've been able to do. Yeah. Uh, considering their funds, they're a relatively small club. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, hats off to them. You know, I can't hate on what they've done yeah. to get to where they are. Fair enough. Well, um, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there for the first part of the part of least the Bundesliga. That was incredibly insightful. So thank you for that. Thank you. We'll move on to the Premier League. Before we do quickly, um, just want to quickly touch on a couple of the deadline day moves that did happen in the last week or two. Mm. Um, firstly, Aubameyang, that to Chelsea. <laughs> I Are am, you happy about that? Uh, not really. As okay. in, it was, it was, we got him for very cheap, um, and I don't think he's going to start every game. Uh, I think there are question marks about his attitude, obviously. Yes. But I, I don't know. We, I think we just have to wait and see. There. It's, it's, it's got all the hallmarks of a shocking transfer, but... Um, he, we did need another forward or another, another player that could play as a striker and um, even though he's sort of a winger but can play striker and he was just best available I think so we'll just see but yeah I mean it's pretty rough you, you know he, he had a special connection with Arsenal it obviously stopped working he went to sunny gorgeous beautiful Barcelona and then yeah. I'm sh- I mean I'm sure he wanted to stay there and, and now he's, he's back in London um, so yeah I I think it's very easy as an Arsenal fan to be upset that our captain now plays for Chelsea, but realistically, considering finances in football today, doesn't really matter. You know, only only yeah. a few clubs can afford players of his stature, so it kind of makes sense that he ends up at a rival. And there are so because of the money thing, there are so so little or, or much less players that are one club players for their whole career. Like yeah. it just doesn't, you know, um, it just doesn't really happen. Yeah. I'm thinking of like Wayne Rooney. I mean, he did study Everton, but he was at United for most of his career. Yeah, you're Alan Shearer's. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not... I'm hoping that we can, at Arsenal, um, generate that with Saka and Smith-Rowe and yeah. Martinelli, but uh, I would also understand if in five years' time they, they moved on. Um, it, it's par for the course. It's football. It, yeah. Yeah. You, I, I think you can't be too tribalistic about these sorts of things. Otherwise, you're just... Work yourself into Definitely. a tizzy. And also, like, good riddance as an Arsenal fan. Like, like <laughs> who cares? Like, literally. Yo, for Uber? Well, yeah. Like, yeah, in, yeah. It's like 33. Anyway. Yeah. Also, he might, he might, I hope he's very good and scores against Arsenal and he's <laughs> fantastic, but we'll just have to see. I hope the other not. one um, was Anthony to United for oh, yeah. around 80 million pounds. Just ludicrous money. He looks... He's 22, but... He, he looks to be like, a, and he scored overnight as well on his debut. So yeah, it was upsetting. Start. He, look, I, I'm biased. He annoyed me a lot in the game. I think he was yeah. pretty, pretty cocky. Um, I get it. He's a big ticket. He, he wants to show off. Um, congratulations on him for scoring in his debut. I'm curious to see if his form can continue and where it leads. Um, even if he becomes a really solid player for Man U, I still don't think the price tag is justified. Yeah, it's hard, We sign 
Jesus for 45 million pounds and this guy is a proven striker. Um, yeah. Anthony is... He played okay last season for Ajax. Ajax and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the price tags that Man United are paying are a bit ridiculous. They have to though, because the players won't come to them otherwise if they're not being paid. They've That's got true. to pay overs for, for players. They've got to give them contracts that are longer than they would ordinarily get because they're Man United because they're right now pretty bad. And I think Martinez was sixty million as well. Yeah. So, so they've. I mean, to think that they've spent one hundred and sixty on on two players. Yeah. But it, it's like that. It's a lot of money, but it's not like you know out of the realms of, you know, what's been done before in last Chelsea's done way worse recently. With Lukaku. Yeah. yeah. Lukaku's like a hundred or even more. But but at least with Lukaku you're you're looking at someone coming off a great spell at Inter. It it, it looked, paper, it looked yeah. like he was gonna be a talismanic yeah. striker, but I don't know. I think those price tags that would be reserved for Lukaku are now being given to twenty two year olds. And also just from the perspective of the 22 year old for their mental health for for what pressure that brings you know having 100 million dollars next to your name Crazy, uh, that can make or break a player some people will rise to the occasion others won't yeah. um, we've seen it time and time again these big players like Paul Pogba never really reached the heights that he could have reached at Man United and maybe part of that was because of all the hype that he got um, it's highly possible so you know f- for Anthony's sake I hope he's well protected at the club I hope they really rally behind him because uh, you know just for his sake I would hate to see him kind of crumble under the pressure but um, considering last night you know uh, <laughs> well, we'll move on we'll move on to the game which was yes. uh, very impressed like I mean it, apparently I, I've only seen the highlights I must admit I didn't watch the full game but fair enough um, based on what I saw Arsenal played okay they grew into the game but it's still disappointing, 3-1, like, um, and credit to United as well. It's, it's crazy what um, three weeks or, or four weeks can do to a team. You know, this time a month ago, they were a rabble, it's fair to say, and yeah. now they're playing quite well, you'd have to say. Yeah, it's safe to say I wish we drew them earlier, but um, no, look, congratulations to them. I, I think Arsenal played a good game. I think, uh, you know, Man United were just extremely good on the break, and um you know, I, I'm I'm very aware of Arsenal fans uh, feeling the highs too high and the lows too low. Uh, look, we've still won our first five games. We have Everton next week. That should be three points. Um, okay, we lost to Man United. It's not the end of the world. I would have loved to have won, but we don't always do that well at Old Trafford. It's not something out of the blue. Yeah. So, uh, and, and their form has has been pretty good in the last three games. So will take that. It's a long season. Yeah, I'm upset, but it, it's a long season. And if you if you let these results weigh on you too much, you're just going to stop enjoying watching football. And um, you should know that if anyone is an Arsenal fan. <laughs> yeah, the, the only games that I'll get down about are the other derbies, the North London derbies. That's the only thing. Uh, otherwise, you know, we got to yeah. focus on the bigger goal. We want to finish top four, and yeah, we're always going to have a loss here and there. So yeah. And just quickly, how good has Christian Eriksen been for United to start the season? He's um, he's been absolutely brilliant for them. Like, yeah, he he he's sort of what everything that Pogba wasn't, and he's much better than Fred and much better <laughs> than McTominay. Um, yeah, him and Casemiro in that whole sort of holding position, I think, are going to make a big difference to United this year. Just in terms of what they do without the ball as well as with the ball, um, and just yeah, they. What he can do from a defensive position is amazing. He's, he's like 30 now or something. So yeah. it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see Casemiro and see if he can... I, I'm curious to see if it is just a paycheck for him, if he's, if he's really going to put in the effort. But um, yeah, I mean, Ericsson's the most lovable player in football. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm happy for him. And, and yeah, I hope he has more success in the future. 
Moving on, uh, we'll go Chelsea to West Ham one next. That was it was a cracking game. Well, you tell me about it because I, did, I didn't watch the full game there. But uh... I mean, uh, the, the, the big talking point will be obviously the disallowed goal at the end, um, yes. which was the alleged foul on uh, Mendy by Jared Bowen. I at the time was shocked. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. This is the one where he jumps over him and, and his foot trailing. Yeah, hits. yeah. So Mendy sort of went to ground and yeah, and, nah, and it's not a. F- I don't just, count it as a foul. It was halfway in the air, and actually, it's really sad as well because um, the VAR referee that made the decision was Jared Gillett, who's the Australian referee in the Premier League, and oh. he's like being he's like being pretty badly canned for at the moment. So it's not a good look for him, but it's. Uh, yeah, uh, Chelsea are an interesting one at the moment. I we did not play well in that game. Like it, the fact that we we went ahead and and didn't have the head to say calm down. Let's just you know to put ourselves in a position where we can drop three points in that game after going working so hard to get back into it. Uh, it speaks volumes, and we we still haven't found our best formation and and. With our defense, we've got it's it's all over the place. So mm. we're, I, I, I'm happy that we won. Um, and Ben Chilwell's goal was unbelievable oh, as well. Incredible. Oh my god, absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, that was just it was a bit of a rabble. Um, yeah, I, I have a soft spot for West Ham, so I I always feel a little bit sad when they lose. But um, VAR has been crazy this past week. I mean, the Arsenal game last week was was hectic. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. They've got to sort something out because these calls are getting out of hand and they're, they're ruining games and they're, they're, they're ruining the flow of games. You know, when you take seven minutes to make know, a call on a foul that I think should be pretty clear, it just kind of takes everything out of its, you know, its natural yeah. progression. I was at the understanding that it was only supposed to be introduced for clear and obvious errors in refereeing. And yeah, that, I think that was that's, the idea. That's what, it, that's what it comes back to, whether it's, it's these calls are clear and obvious. Like, yeah. You know, they're 50-50 at best. Not, Absolutely. Not I think you're obvious. completely right. Um, anyway, take that and run for Chelsea. But Everton 0, Liverpool 0. Incredible game. That, for a 0 all draw. How good's a nil all draw of that great. of that intensity, of that energy? It was, um, Everton, uh, I hope they don't bring that next week against Arsenal because that was thrilling. You know, Everton and Liverpool have seen more goalless draws than any fixture in the entire English top flight system. History, wow. And Premier League history as well, ever. Most Do you have draws. the number? Uh, yeah, 36 for forever, like in the English top flight history and 12 in the Premier League history. So since its inception. Wow. So if you're ever going to, if you're a betting man, <laughs> Everton zero, Everton Liverpool, sorry, zero always. Okay, wow. That's a that's really exciting. entertaining game. Really entertaining game, I have to say. Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. Um, Liverpool are curious at the moment i'm fascinated to see how they pull this together um i'm sure klopp is spending a lot of sleepless nights trying to figure out his tactics um but i don't know i guess if nunez can find form maybe they'll start seeing the goals uh the fact that they won 9-0 against bournemouth and salah didn't score that's a bit concerning and then then didn't score they scored nine in one week and then yeah yeah and and just still has everton who narrowly escaped relegation last season it's unbelievable yeah, um, it's really derbies. Anything can happen. Yeah, anything can happen. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's a really it's a really interesting one. They've you still they've had injuries as well. I think they've got quite a few players missing in the middle of the park, but mm. they better figure it out quick. Although I will say, City are dropping points as well. That I mean, yeah, they're keeping one, a minute. City one, that that was also a curious result. I did not see that coming. I thought City would 
wipe the floor with them. But um, I still, I still think Gerard could be one or two games away from getting the sack. Oh, absolutely. I really hope he doesn't. I like him just as a person. I don't know how good he is as a manager, but um, yeah, that was a lifeline. Completely. And he needed that, but it was so funny. I saw Gerard in his post game, post game comments. He was saying, I haven't watched match of the day in four weeks because obvious reasons, but I yeah. bet you can bet I'll be interested to see what they say <laughs> after the game. And it was just like, man, come on. Like they, seriously, if they, they've not been playing all this season. Yeah. He, yeah. I'm, I'm big question. Marks and and they have a Gerard. good team. Yeah. They have a good team. They, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm nervous. That's why I'm particularly nervous for him because you know, uh, the powers of B will turn around and say, okay, we've actually got a pretty good squad here. So we can say confidently this is the manager, which is why I think his, his days are pretty numbered. I think they have Southampton coming up. Uh, or, or Yeah, they, they've got a few games coming up that they really need to win in order to, to keep him around. But if they lose the next couple games, I, I don't reckon he stays. Fair enough. And Haaland, I mean, he's the quickest player to 10 oh. goals or this early in Premier League season history, that is pretty scary, as we were saying before, especially with the World Cup. He's going to spend six weeks <laughs> yeah. training by himself and keeping himself fit and fresh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say about Haaland. He's just... A freak. You know, you can't hate it. It's beautiful to watch. What he's doing, what he's brought to football is unprecedented. So, yeah, it scares me. I wish we didn't have to play Man City twice this season, but... Um, it is really great to see him play football because uh, he's doing stuff that no one's ever done. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, another game that was on last night that I want to quickly touch on is Brighton 5, Leicester 2. Yes, yeah. Um, I am so, so impressed with what Brighton are doing this year. It is amazing. Um, they, are, they are ruthless. And take that last night's result with a pinch of salt because Leicester are horrific and that's a separate discussion. Yeah. But watching the game, it was more than just domination. They were a team that were confident and gelling well together and moving the ball nicely. And and um, and this is also a side that lost Cucurella and Basuma, which arguably they're two best players from last season. So um, what Potter is doing with them right now is is really incredible. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and, you know, you look back on that first game against United and you think at the time everyone was saying, oh, geez, it's a horrible result for United. But on reflection now, you'd probably say... That United were beaten by a much better side. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Brighton, uh, my smoky for top four this season, and that is a crazy, really? crazy call. Wow, they're playing that well, and they've got a great manager, and that's that's what you need. Yeah, I actually did. I watched the game live last night, um, and loved every minute of it. I have a soft spot for Brighton as well because I did live there for a little while, mm. and I lived there the season they got promoted to the Premier League. I think that was six seasons ago. So. Um, yeah, considering last season, all we could say about Brighton was they don't have a striker, they can't score goals. For them to turn around and you know put five away behind any team is is incredible. There are levels to that team, and I think they're going to have a lot more impressive results. Definitely, it's not yeah a place where you know the big six are going to not going to want to travel this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, another results that I want to touch on quickly because for all the Spurs fans out there, I have to. But Spurs two for one. <laughs> That was just a... I honestly don't have much to say about that game. Just regulation, um, done at home, get, got the job done, move on. I, I don't have much else to add other than Mitrovic is playing very well right now. He's scary. Well, you know, I find it funny because everyone discredited Arsenal when we beat Fulham 2-1 and they were saying, oh, it's Fulham, they're newly promoted. What a disrespect to Fulham. They have shown time and time again that they are absolutely no joke. 
Um, I'm not going to say hats off to Tottenham. Uh, stuff them, don't care. Yeah. Don't watch their games, don't watch their highlights, don't totally want to hear fair. about it unless they lose. But um, yeah, it's, you know, it's no joke. Fulham are no joke. So um, yeah, any team that beats them, it, it's impressive. Agree, yeah. And a quick shout out as well to Bournemouth for coming away with oh the win gosh. after being 2-0 down. Yeah. That is an indictment on Forrest, I think, more than anything. Like, yeah, maybe Forrest need to sign a few more 100 players. Oh my God. It's, 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 it's like 20 20, or something. 20, like... I mean, they're signing a lot of players to make sure you're adequately equipped for your time in the Premier League. And then there's signing two squads worth of players. Like, <laughs> I, I actually think it's, it's detrimental. It gets to a point where the players don't know each other. They haven't played together. Like, do you really want to be rocking the ship that much? Like, Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think it's a very smart idea. And I mean, I assume a lot of these players have release clauses based on relegation. So definitely. if Nottingham Forest go down, they're going to lose a lot of money. I guess from their perspective, uh, this is the opportunity they've been waiting for for a very long time to come back up. So um, they yeah, don't want to well. be skinned. They want to they really bolster their squad. I don't know. If it works, it might be a new blueprint for future squads coming up to the Premier League. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I can't remember the stat, but, you know, Nottingham Forest are pretty much richer than almost every other club in all of Europe. Uh, and they're a newly promoted Premier League side. So as far as money, uh, you know, a newly promoted Prem team has more than most teams in the Bundesliga. Yeah. So, you know, you can attract a lot of talent and they're, they're definitely showing that. But yeah, when you lose to Bournemouth at home, that is, it's a massive time. There's nothing else that to is it, rough. really. Um, last game I wanted to quickly touch on was Brentford 5, Leeds 2 as well. Yeah, Leeds rough for Jesse Marsh. Very, very rough. Um, they were thoroughly outplayed and Ivan Tony is a freak as well. A monster. Penalty free kick and open play. But it was, yeah, the, the calmness and composure he had to finish that, the little dink. Oh my keeper. gosh. Oh my, I mean, over the two defenders was ridiculous. And the free kick was incredible as well. Yeah, I have a lot of time for Brentford. I love them. Um, I think they play fun football and I just, yeah. the vibe, the vibe at Brentford just seems incredible. I'd love to go to a game there. Yeah, it would be rocking. Like, I imagine when they beat United being in that game. Yeah, wow. Incredible. That was special. And speaking of vibe and atmosphere, it's completely unrelated to the Premier League, but I, if you're listening to this pod, watch the highlights from Celtic 4, Rangers 0. Uh, it was... Was it crazy? Unbelievable. Like, just, just the, the atmosphere. I think my, my dream, my dream football experience would be to go to an old firm derby at Celtic Park. Like, there's so much history behind it with, you know, with the whole, like, you know, Protestants and Catholicism, the whole thing, whatever. Mm. But just, uh, they hate each other. Properly yeah. hate each other. Yeah. And it, like... <laughs> Hate so and, and the atmosphere is incredible. Plus the Ange factor as well is like you know the Aussie connection and, and whatever. Like it's um it's amazing. Watch the highlights if you haven't. I wonder um, where Ange goes because he's doing a lot of good things at Celtic. Oh, he yeah. could take Gerard's position at Villa. He could he could go, he could yeah, do a lot of things. Definitely, but he also strikes me as the kind of guy that would he'll wait for the right moment. Right, like he's not. Like if a spot open, if, if you know yeah. someone got sacked, and say Gerard got sacked next week, he wouldn't take it if he didn't think it was the right time or the right gig for him. Well, I guess he's also got Champions League football with Celtic, so he wouldn't Obviously. want to pass that up. Obviously, I think he'd finish the season this Celtic, yeah. no matter what he ends that's up doing. That's a good call. But he wouldn't just take any job. He'd, he'd want a job that's stable. I think he's a guy with act, with morals and ethics. Like if mm. there was a spot in Newcastle open up, for example, I actually don't think he'd take that. Right. Because he knew he he wouldn't have control over the club. It would be you know top very top down. Obviously, a lot of Saudi money coming in, but um, I think he'll definitely coach in the Premier League. But he's going to wait. 
Um, he's going to let his football do the talking, which it is right now, because yeah. Celtic are five points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership. And, <laughs> and he'll wait. Another one for the bank for them. And it'll be amazing when he does, because he's a really good manager. Um, yeah. So, so we'll see what happens there. Um, beautiful. I think that is about it for, yeah. for the Premier League today. So um, if you're still here, if you're still around, thank you for listening, as always. And to Jules, thank you so much for, for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. And for sharing your insight about the Bundesliga. Uh, if you have any questions, hit me up or hit Jules up, more importantly, because he's definitely the man for, for Bundesliga. Otherwise, we'll see you this time next week to wrap up another week's action. Thank you for listening. See you later. Laters.